The poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Asa. Asa means done. It means accomplished. So really what he said when he said Asa, he said, done or accomplished. So whenever you think of the last words of the Lord Jesus, it is finished. I don't want you to think of it in the sense like, it's finished, whew, I'm so glad that's over. Oh man, tough exam. I don't want you to think of it that way. I want you to think of his last words when he said it is finished as meaning, it is accomplished. It is done. It has been achieved. So really, in this series of Behold the blood. We're studying what his last words meant when he said, it is finished, it is accomplished, it is achieved. Because from it is finished, we are studying what his blood accomplished, what his blood achieved, and we're studying that. And so far, like I said, there have been these six great achievements, great accomplishments that are the blood of the Lord Jesus achieved, accomplished for us, and accomplished, as we said, remission, redemption, atonement, reconciliation, peace, and justification, it did all that for us. Now we turn our focus to another accomplishment, another achievement of the blood of the Lord Jesus from Revelation 7.14. Revelation 7.14 that we just read, where he says, I said unto him, sir, thou knowest, he said unto me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. That's an achievement. That's an accomplishment to make them white. This is a very rare scene. It's a very rare scene in heaven. We are privileged to be able to see it now in the Bible. It's a scene of the Apostle John during the time of the revelation, what was revealed to him, what God permitted John to see, what is normally hidden from eyes. And in this scene, John sees himself in heaven, and there's so much that just amazes John. Wide-eyed, he's turning from one thing to the other, and one of the elders brings John now to focus on a very certain, very special group of people who are wearing white robes in verse 13, arrayed in white robes. So John looks at this stunning white, this, this scene of these amazing white robes that they're wearing, 
And the elder then asked John two questions. The first question is, who are these? What are these which are arrayed in white robes? The second question is, where do they come from? Where do they come from? Or as it says, whence came they? So with that first question, who are these? There's, that's a loaded question, and John knows that. And so who are these? That's like, a, that's like a, it's loaded with marvel. Well, I mean, what a marvelous sight this is to see, this large group of with these people with these magnificent white robes. Who are these is a question loaded with admiration. You know, so it's the idea of I admire, I envy those who are dressed in such beautiful white robes. Who are these is a question that's loaded with attention, like just look at those, those people in those remarkable white robes. This question of who is, who is this it's the same, uh, like in the Song of Solomon, uh, Song of Solomon, is, which is about the lover, and he says in Song of Solomon 3.6, by the way, Song of Solomon is all about you know, falling in love and things like that. That's, that's why the, the initials of Song of Solomon are SOS. <laughs> anyway, okay, good, thanks. So Song of Solomon 3.6 has very similar wording. Song of Solomon 3.6, who is this that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all powders of the merchant. Song of Solomon 8, 5. Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness, leaping upon, leaping upon her beloved? I raise thee up under the apple tree there. Thy mother brought thee forth. This is the question that's asked to John. Who is this? Who is this? It means the same as, turn your eyes over here. As what Isaiah said about the Lord when in Isaiah 63.1, Isaiah 63.1, Isaiah said, who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? This is this is that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. And so this question, who is this, it means the same as look over here, like Jeremiah, who said in Jeremiah 46.7, Jeremiah 46.7, who is this? that cometh up as a flood whose waters are moved as the river. This is a, will you look at this? So what, now what's said here, that's the first question. Who is this? The second question is, where did they come from? Well, we find out, we know where they came from because four verses earlier, it just tells us where in Revelation 7, 9, Revelation 7, 9, and after this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations, and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Well, who are these people? These are people that cannot be numbered because there's so many of them. And they come from all nations. They come from all people groups. They come from all languages. There's Germans there and Americans and Norwegians and Japanese and Eskimos and Indonesians, and Sudanese, and Peruvians, Australians, Indians, Navajos, Chinese, Russians, Jews. They're all there, and none of them is sitting down. They're all standing before the throne of God, before the Lamb of God. They're standing before the Lord Jesus Christ, and they all have white robes. They all have white robes. They're not just standing there. They're singing. They're singing in Revelation 5, 9. It tells us they're singing they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to the Lord Jesus. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou was slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. They're singing this song about the worthiness 
of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was killed, who was redeemed them by his blood. And so we're told now in verse 14 that this great multitude of people, they've come out of a great tribulation. The Lord Jesus said, you, when you sign up with me, you're signing up for persecution. He said in Matthew 5.10, Matthew 5.10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He spoke of them being chased from one city of Israel into the other in Matthew 10, 23. Matthew 10, 23. When they persecute you in this city, flee, run to the other. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. The Lord Jesus told us that they suffered great losses in this persecution. In Matthew 10, 29, Matthew 10, 29, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left, here's the losses, house, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands, for my sake in the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come eternal life. These people lost their houses. They lost their brothers. They lost their sisters. They lost their mother. They lost their father. They lost their own wives and their children and their properties. And they were willing to do it because they said, it's worth it. I'll lose it all if I can gain Jesus. Just give me Jesus and it can have everything else, including wives and children. And for some who have received the Lord Jesus Christ, it comes down to a choice of that. For some it does. It comes down for some to a choice, family or Jesus, that's the choice. It comes down to a choice of their own wife and their children or the Lord Jesus, properties and wealth or the Lord Jesus. And these people chose the Lord Jesus and they lost. And I can't stand here and talk about this without remembering a rabbi friend who came here to this museum, out here from New York, came here from New York, flew out from New York, rabbi, Orthodox rabbi, and in this building, he downstairs, he prayed to receive the Lord. And when he returned home, he was told by his wife, you choose now between me and your Jesus, between our children, or let's put it real personal, your children and Jesus, between this home on Pacific Palisades Parkway in New York and, and Jesus, between the job that you have, which by the way, you're working for my father, and Jesus, between all your possessions and Jesus. That was the choice that was come to me. It was with a broken heart that I tell you now. Tragically, he called me and he told me he thought he made the wrong decision and he turned away from Jesus because the choice was just too much for him, even though I told him, I don't know how the Lord's gonna do it, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's worth it. You lose it all. You turn to Jesus. He will make it up to you. Well, these in Revelation 7, 14, they chose Jesus and they lost all those things. They suffered those losses and they've loved the Lord Jesus so much that when it came to losing their possessions, they not only did it, well, okay, take that. No, it describes them in Hebrews 10, 34. In Hebrews 10, 34, where it says, for you had compassion on me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Their attitude was 
take the world, but give me Jesus. Now, the Lord Jesus told us that they suffered these, uh, these things. Also, they suffered being strongly tempted, especially tempted to believe deceptions of uh, what the Bible calls lying miracles, lying miracles. When it says in Matthew 24, 24, Matthew 24, 24, it's very interesting, the whole chapter of Matthew 24, where the disciples sat down with the Lord and said, boy, look at the beauty of this temple. Just look at this. They said, and then he said, well, I'll tell you, every stone's gonna be thrown down. This shocked them. When, when? When is going to be the sign of your coming? So they were expecting him to say something like, well, when this happens and that happens, then you're gonna know. But you know what he said? He said something like, oh, you wanna know the sign of my coming? I'll tell you the sign of my coming is, you beware that you are not deceived. He thought, That's, is that the answer? We wanted the answer. He was gonna, no, the, that is the answer. When deception is so strong, that's gonna be the mark of before he comes, as he said in Matthew 24, 24, for there shall arise false Christs, false prophets, shall show great signs and wonders, miracles. Great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. That's how powerful it's gonna be. That's why he said, what's gonna be the sign of your coming? You be careful that you're not deceived. Beware lest you also be deceived. The persecution was also just a continual trouble. It was a continual trouble for believers, like it says in Daniel 7.21, Daniel 7.21, I beheld the same horn made war with the saints, war with the saints, and prevailed against them. In Revelation 13.7, Revelation 13.7, it speaks of this war with the saints, it was given unto him, the devil, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. But all this had one goal of this war with the saints. The devil was trying to wear them out, wear them out, wear them out, wear them down, wear them down. Daniel 7.25, Daniel 7.25, he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Saints, believers are gonna be so tired of arguing and, and setting the record straight and, and keeping their own minds straight. And that's the whole goal, to wear them out. And they're gonna think to change times and laws and they'll be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of times. Persecution also meant, means, has meant, means imprisonment, imprisonment. Acts 5.18, they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Second Peter 2.9 Paul is writing and he says, wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, that's prison, but the word of God is not bound. And Paul then, he goes on, he, he, he goes on to actually say, well, I have a new identity now. I'll tell you my new identity, he says in 2 Timothy 1.16, 2 Timothy 1.16, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiris, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. That became his new identity, my chain. Here, uh, oh, hi, Paul, nice to meet you. Yes, nice to meet you too. Would you like to meet my chain? <laughs> so that was Paul's identity. But his, also his identity that he, 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 he got was given to us in Ephesians 6.20, Ephesians 6.20, for which I am an ambassador in bonds. I'm an ambassador in prison. That, where, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So he, often, he was so often in prison then he says, well, I'm the new ambassador in bonds. <laughs> Who are you, Paul? Here's your new prisoner. No, I'm the ambassador in bonds. 
So this, this persecution also came down to torture and murder. Torture and murder. As it says in Hebrews 11.35, Hebrews 11.35, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trials of cruel mockings, scourgings, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were sawed in two. Isaiah was put into a hollow log and the log was sawed in half. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. What a list, what a list. The Lord said in, in John 16, 2, they shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you shall, will think that he doeth God's service. But no matter what they had to endure, what they had to endure in all of that, there was one thing that was not broken, the love of God. The love of God in, in Romans 8, 35, the love of God with all of that, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? The love of God was not broken. Who's this group? Who's this group? These who they are. This is who they are. Who are these? And now we're told what these people have done in Revelation 7.14. Revelation 7.14. These are they which came out of great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. First, we're told that these people washed their robes and made them white. The verse does not say that their robes were washed by God or anyone else that or it made their robes white in the blood of the lamb. The verse says specifically, these people, each person individually washed their own robes and made and made in each person individually made their own robes white in the blood of the lamb. God didn't wash anybody's robe. Each person washed their own robe. Each person made their own robe white when that person made their own decision to put their trust in the blood of the Lord Jesus. Just like it says, we've been seeing in Romans 3.25, Romans 3.25, through faith in his blood. That's how they made their robes white. That's how they washed their robes when they, Romans 3.25, put their faith in his blood. Each person put his faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus, and that's when they washed their robes and made it white in the blood of the Lord. That's when each person, through his individual faith, his individual decision to put his confidence, his reliance in the blood of the Lord Jesus to accomplish everything we just talked about, to, to accomplish for that person individually the removal of my sins, my personal redemption, the covering of my sins, atonement, my reconciliation to God, my peace with God, my justification. When that happened, they made their robes white and they washed them in the blood of the Lamb. God does not push anyone into trusting in the blood of the Lord Jesus. Each person has to make his own decision to trust in the Lord's blood to do those things. And all God does is invite. He's constantly inviting. God is in the inviting business. And in, in Isaiah chapter 118, Isaiah 118, there's a great invitation. God says, come, come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing, 
and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and obey, rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. That's an invitation that describes what's going to happen if they accept and what's going to happen if they reject. Now, what does that mean when it says that their robes were made white in the blood of the land? Well, we've already looked at how the blood cleanses from sin, and this is different. We've already looked at how the blood cleanses from sin, but making robes white is different from cleansing. Cleansing from sin is where blood, the blood of the Lord, cleanses from the soiling effect of sin, the soiling effect of sin. Sin makes the soul dirty, that's what it does. It makes the soul dirty inside, and only the blood of the Lord Jesus can cleanse from that dirtiness of sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But making robes white is different from internal cleansing, the first John 1, 9 cleansing, from the defilement of sin. Because when verse 14 speaks about a man's garments being made white, it is more than just cleansing from past sins. It's now speaking of having the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ incorporated into a person so that he wears the righteousness of the Lord Jesus as his own garment. When the Bible speaks of us wearing the robe, as it's called, the robe of righteousness, it's speaking of us being clothed with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 1.30. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness. We are in Christ Jesus, who God has made for us, for us, righteousness. Christ is made unto us righteousness. As a matter of fact, the Bible speaks about the wearing of righteousness, like the Lord Jesus, when it says in Romans 13, 14, Romans 13, 14, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, man experiences salvation when he believes. That's very clear from Acts 16.31. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Man experienced salvation when he believes. But And this is what we saw with Abraham. Abraham, in Genesis 15.6, Genesis 15, verse 6, it says, he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God, he believed in the Lord, and the Bible says that it was counted to Abraham for righteousness. Now the word, the Hebrew word, as we mentioned before, the Hebrew word that is behind the word counted is very important, because it's the word chashav, chashav. Now chashav is the word that was used to describe what Bethlehem and Oholiab did, the two craftsmen with multi-talents, the two craftsmen who built the tabernacle. And in particular, when they were making the curtains of the tabernacle, you can go over there and see a model of it over there. When they were making the curtains for the tabernacle, they had the white linen and three colored threads, a thread of gold, and a thread of blue, a thread of purple and, and scarlet. And they had these blue, purple, and scarlet. And then they would weave it in, as you could see over there, from, to make the cherubims. So when they did that activity, when they were weaving in those, those threads into the white linen, 
It's described in the Bible as chashav. They were weaving the threads into the white linen. So now this linen now has incorporated into it by weaving these colors, colored threads that they did. That's chashav. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. The poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619 599 1104. God bless you.